0: how you doing? I'm Steve Holland. still on my Christmassy break from Being Freelance. It returns next weekend, but wanted to pop in with a bonus episode made up of live Q&A answers, because in the Being Freelance community, which you can join via beingfreelance.com, we do regular live Q&As. And towards the end of this year, we did one with Holly June Smith, which was all about goals and intentions. Holly is a life coach. So we had um, a really great chat. I thought that could be useful since this is going out in Also, Andrew and Pete were on. Andrew and Pete run Atomic, which is a paid-for community and training. It's it's more than just a community, but it's like training, masterclasses, that kind of stuff. They also put on a big event uh, for small businesses and freelancers. And yeah, they are the guys from Atomic. Anyway, they have loads to give as well. So I thought you'd enjoy this. It's not all of it. You can actually watch the full replays of these because they were actually done in video if you are part of the Being Freelance community. As I say, you can join that at being freelance.com. hugely recommend it. They're very nice in there. Uh, but let's crack on, shall we, and start with a question with Holly. Claire says, I always seem to start the year with big goals and then get to November and find all I've done is survive. Where am I mm. going wrong?
1: Oh, Claire, that's such a good question. Yeah, I think that January is uh it's a really great time to sort of sit down and put some big picture stuff in place um I'm a really big I'm a really big fan of the whole not so much resolutions but yeah like January goal setting process I tend to give myself all of January to figure out what it is that I want to do rather than just sit down and do a kind of quick exercise of right I'm going to do these things I sort of let ideas percolate a little bit and come to me um And always, every single year, Claire, I can assure you, I get to this time of year and there are things I have not even started on. So you're definitely not alone in that process. I think a lot of um, freelancers, and I, I don't know if you have kids, but especially a lot with kids often feel that they're stuck in that kind of surviving mode. So it's very easy to feel like we've got these kind of big dreams and visions, but we're not getting any closer to them. There's a couple of things that I think are really useful to remember is that you're on your own timeline, and we are always going to have something that we want to be working towards. But it can be very easy, especially in the age of social media, to see everyone else doing their big, fancy showreel type stuff. But we're not seeing the surviving bit that they've done behind the scenes to get to that place. You're definitely not going to be the only person who feels like they're not making that much progress. Now is a really nice time of year, I think, to have a look at the goals that we set in January and the things that we wanted to achieve and look at what still feels important now this is where I think the five-year plan is a bit of a weird one because when you write something down and you feel like you have to work towards it you don't necessarily give yourself the chance to say actually that's not really of interest anymore or that's not really something that um, feels feasible and there are a couple of big areas of my business that I laid out in January that I've let go of completely this year because just felt kind of pulled to another direction. So goals are such a subjective and personal thing. It's really important to just remember that you're doing them on your own terms um, and you can let stuff go and reframe them. And it's not a failure to say, I didn't achieve that. These are your goals.
0: Anna, who asked, how long should I wait before following up on a proposal or introduction email I've sent to someone? Oh, it's okay, it's great. this is what a good making?
2: one. But, and the answer is you should never have to wait. Okay, so wait. No, you should never have to wait. And this is why. This is like the biggest mistake everyone makes. And Victoria Fleming, I would to give credit to her because she taught us this one. Um, when you're sending proposals, um, she talks about holding on to the ball. Okay, so you're passing the ball back and forth between you and the person that you're sending the proposal to. And what you never want to do is be in that position where they've got the ball and you're waiting for them to reply, okay? Because then you're waiting constantly. Really easy to get ghosted. You start feeling like, oh, this is really awkward. Do I follow up now? Has it been too long? Has it been too soon? I don't know. So this is what you do instead, okay? When you're in that first initial sales meeting and you're getting all of the information and it comes to the point where you need to say, um, see you later, Um, I'll write up a proposal and I'll send it over. What you do instead is you say, that was really great. What I'll go and do now is I'll write up that proposal. Do you have your calendar open? And what we'll do is we'll just book a quick 10-minute call in the diary next week and we can talk about the proposal. I can answer any questions. It's a lot easier than just going back and forth on emails because that sometimes takes forever. This works like 9 out of 10 times. You get the the meeting already booked in, get the meeting booked in the diary, the follow-up meeting, then send the proposal, and then you're not waiting. You already have the meeting in the diary to follow up with that person to talk
3: about the proposal. So in that meeting, that second meeting, all you're really doing is clarifying what's in the proposal, and all you're really doing is handling their objections and just saying, okay, so which option did you like best? You should always give two options in your proposals, no matter what, yeah. uh, rather than saying, what do you think? You're asking them which option they'd prefer. And then they'll, they'll say, oh, this one, but maybe you could do it add this in or this sounds great, let's go for that. And all you have to say is great, let, you know, I'd love to book in the first session or the next step. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything else holding you back before we go ahead? and then just answer all those questions, if there are any. It can feel a bit awkward doing that doing at first, I and mean, we've challenged um, some of our
2: members to do this, and they have felt a little bit awkward, but you need to spin it as a positive. So you need to say, like, let's get like a follow-up meeting booked in, just 10 minutes, on the phone even, um, because it'll save a ton of time. Yeah? Yeah. And as soon as it's spun it in a positive way,
3: like, I'm doing this because it's better for you, then it's a lot easier. And and maybe another tip on that would be um to not even call it a proposal. So you could call it um again, Victoria Fleming calls it this. She's um she's a, a guest expert that we have in Atomic regularly, and she's speaking at our event, Atomicon, and she's like the best sales trainer in the world. So um credit to her. But she calls it a discussion document. It's a lot softer. So if you send over a, a proposal, it's kind of like a a yes or no scenario, like the either one or the other don't, like that's it. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you send over a discussion document, it sounds a lot more um, softer and like you need a discussion and, you know, you should really have that call to discuss it because it's a discussion document. Mm-hmm. So, so that's what you'd say, like at the end of your first sales call, you'd say, okay, this sounds great to confirm. This is what you've asked for. And you do that and then you'll say okay what i'll do is i'll put some options together and i'll send it over in what i call a discussion document and then we can have a chat about that and see which option's the best it saves a lot of time back and forth do you have your calendar open and we can book that in
0: right now oh i like it look at that people are saying we've only just started and <laughs> it's this great advice already um great answer there you go anna i hope you like that adrian's who says i'm seeking some monday motivation i've lost a bit of my mojo and need to win some new client work any tips to motivate me to get out and sell myself i hate pitching
1: oh yeah pitching's a weird one right lots of people feel this kind of funk about it i think a really nice thing to do when you're feeling it so, so pitching is all really about selling yourself and it's understandably a vulnerable thing because you're going out there and saying, please, please choose me. I I, I want your work. Um, And it's really easy to feel kind of get ahead of yourself and feel that sort of worry about rejection or um, the fear of disappointment. One thing I think is quite nice to do is sit down and just spend kind of 10, 15 minutes or so looking back at what's been really good this year. So um, make some notes about pieces of work that went really well. See if there was some testimonials or some client feedback that you got that made you feel really great. I know I always feel really nervous to ask for feedback, but generally people will give you really positive feedback about the work that you've done. And if I, I sometimes kind of save it in one place so that I can go back when I need that little bit of like, actually, I am on the right track. I am doing a good thing here. And then also maybe have a think about, you know, if there have been any big challenges that you have faced this year and how you've overcome them and just sort of get yourself into a slightly better mindset of, OK, I'm actually doing really good things. We get so focused When we talk about goals at looking to the future and where we're headed, that we often do forget to look back and see how far we've come. It's really easy to just feel like the to-do list is never ending. But actually, when we sit down and go, okay, these are all the things I have actually done for my business this year, it's often greater than we think. Often we're making progress without even realizing it um so that is something that i would encourage adrian have a look back at what's been really good hype yourself a little bit get yourself kind of energized about the successes that you have had um and and take that energy out to when you're getting in touch with people to say i've got a little bit of availability is there anything you'd like to get done before the end of the year let me help you get that ticked off
0: simon says i struggle with the thought of putting my face out there for my business you two do it all the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. What's the secret? Uh, <laughs> That's a really good the, the secret is everyone
2: feels awkward about putting their face out there for the first time. And I remember when we first did it, it was like the most terrifying thing ever like doing our first videos, putting our face out there, speaking to a camera. I don't think it comes naturally to everybody. And if you think, well, those guys are good, or that person's really good at camera. It's because they've just, like, practiced a lot. And if you scroll right, if you go to our YouTube channel and scroll right back to the very first ones, or you can even flip it, flip it. So order our channels in um, date, the date order opposite. You
3: can watch the first videos and you can see how awkward we are on yeah. camera. We even even did, like, a video reflecting back on our past videos that aren't even on YouTube because they were so cringe-worthy that we couldn't face keeping them on there. Mm -hmm. Um, They are so bad. I think when it comes to doing anything
2: awkward, though, you almost have to believe in it, and you have to, like, see the results from it, okay? So we, we knew that when we were doing more videos or when we were putting our face out there or when we were letting more people get to know us that it resulted in more business and more money in our pocket and like when we could see that then it's it becomes easier because you're not just doing this really awkward thing for no reason you know what i mean so anything that's like awkward or anything that makes you feel a bit like like try to get some results from it like try doing like one video or try doing just one thing where your face is maybe getting out there a little bit more and
3: seeing if it works or seeing if you get more response than when your face isn't out there. Yeah, and a, a good way to start is to, to not necessarily throw yourself in at the deep end, mm-hmm. but just, just practice in small ways. For example, for us, we spent like a whole year doing Snapchat videos mm-hmm. when Snapchat uh, for was a business, thing. For, when that was a thing. Um, <laughs> But you can do the same with instagram now like if you just use instagram storage you record a 15 second video if you don't like it delete it record it again yeah. put a sexy filter on i don't know whatever you want uh, yeah and 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 you'll feel a lot better if you just do that for a little while a, a, a key to video specifically as well is i think a lot of people
2: hate it because they'll watch you back and they'll think oh my god i'm so boring like, this is just the worst. <laughs> and we call this the energy drain theory. Okay. So, if you're recording, you feel like you're given like a 10 out of 10 energy level, you'll watch it back and that will actually be a six. And if you're actually only doing a six out of 10 originally, you watch it back and you do like a two out of 10. So, what you have to do is like go full 20 out of 10 energy, like as much as possible at the camera. Like, when we're recording our videos, we feel like we're bouncing off the wall and <laughs> nodding the neighbors, and we watch it back, and it was like animated,
3: yeah, just animated. It's like we were <laughs> screaming at the camera, and when we get it back, it's like, "Hey, everybody, <laughs> <laughs> like, what happened?" So yeah, you really have to pump yourself up to, to to give it your all. So I hope that helps. Like, take it slow, practice on something that isn't as important, on mm-hmm. like Instagram, and then try and see some results because that will give you the courage to keep doing it more. But also as well, like you don't have to do video. No. there's really extremely successful bloggers, podcasters and so forth. Video is
0: good, but yeah. Hey, don't have to. Um, yeah, I think some people even feel, uh, I guess shy or awkward about putting their face on their website, let alone just even just a picture. Yeah. Um, I think, like, a
2: great photographer is the best way to get over that. Like, if you've got a really awful picture, then maybe you don't feel so great about yourself putting that on your site. But, like, just get some professional photos, photos done. It doesn't have to break the bank. And, again, remember that, like, we're not putting a photo on our site to make our site look prettier, right? We're putting our photo on our site, so when people lands on land on the site... They can see the face. They can instantly trust that site more, and they're more likely to convert. Like studies have shown that. So, like you're doing it to make more money, not because Andrew and Peter have told you to put your face on your site.
0: <laughs> um, I think it was Joe. Her, her name disappeared, but I think Joe just wrote, "I practice videos in front of my cat." Hmm,
2: that's great, <laughs> and that's good because cats are quite judgmental. So, like if the cat likes it, <laughs> then you are good to go
0: how about trying to manage those intentions when you now have to work between school holidays and nine to three? Also, when you have tons of things, how can you take control a little and avoid the overwhelm? So it's it's kind of two questions in there. So the first one is about um, managing intentions on restricted time Mm. scales of, of school holidays and nine till three working. Um, And also, how can you take control a little and avoid the overwhelm? I don't know who asked that question, I'm afraid,
1: but... um... Those are really good questions, though. Um, Yeah, I think a lot of people that we know, Steve, have gone through this process recently with kids starting school and maybe before they had nursery eight till five or eight till six and suddenly the day is nine till three or nine till half past two and it's quite a bit shorter. Um, And I think part of it is just being realistic about the fact that there is always going to be more to do we get kind of stuck in this pursuit of like I must get everything done I must get everything ticked off and I don't know a single small business owner out there who finishes the day or the week or the month feeling like everything has been accomplished and I know that's not the answer that people will want to hear but when you can kind of just lean into that a little bit and accept okay there's always going to be more to do and embrace it a little bit and just focus on what you can do in the time that you have um i'm a big believer in so i have kind of two approaches to planning out my week and my day i like to put a little bit of time aside on a sunday night when i don't often feel like it because you know sunday is just like oh gosh just let me go to bed <laughs> but if you can put a little bit of time ahead on a sunday night to look at the week that's coming up and get down the things that you're already committed to, the things that you'd like to be doing and get them into some kind of like plan for the week rather than it being, oh, Monday, I've got 50 things to do. Um, In fact, I've got my one, this is what my one looks like. I've got mine split into Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, days of the week, obviously. Um, And I try and pick three big goals for the week that I want to achieve. And then I'll sort of also break it down into three things for each day. So um, what that kind of looks like practically is doing a big brain dump onto this sheet of everything that's in my head that I have to have coming up. And then looking at which things feel good to do together. Let's say I've got client emails to respond to. I'll try and batch that so I'm kind of not just flitting between lots of different tasks, but I'm just giving half an hour or an hour to getting... All of those emails done um if i've got writing tasks to be doing then i'll try and group them together and um, make sure that i'm kind of working in a space that feels really like supportive of being able to do that so uh maybe not coffee shops where i tend to get a bit distracted with people watching and kind of <laughs> slightly overhearing other people's really loud drama conversations and then, yeah, the, the, there is that classic thing of, um, I'm sure you've talked about it before, that thing of like eating the frogs and getting the biggest task done and out of the way first thing, which I think is really good to kind of get you off to a good start on the day. It can feel really overwhelming to sit down at, you know, half past nine or whenever you manage to get to your desk and go, oh, God, where do I even begin? I, I take two approaches here. I either start on the biggest thing that's going to take the most amount of time, or I give myself an hour and I try and knock off as many five minutes or less tasks as possible. Um, and sometimes those are the tasks that don't feel important, they don't feel urgent, but they're maybe like foundation building for the future. So it could be something like um, getting in touch with. Uh, you know, networking type stuff, getting in touch with somebody and saying like, hey, I really love your podcast. If you're ever looking for guests to talk about this, this is something I cover. Or um, it might be, you know, uh, contacting somebody that runs events in your local area and saying if you want somebody to speak about this. Um, For me, like looking at my thing right now, five-minute tasks, I've got to reply to a couple of Google reviews. It doesn't feel like an important or urgent thing, but it won't take me minutes. Um, I have got a testimonial form that I need to send out to a, cl- a client who's recently finished. I have got a um, a book review that I'd like to write for an Instagram post. It's not really urgent. It's not really important. Nobody's waiting for me to do it, but it is something that I would like to do. Won't take me five minutes. Um, so those kind of like small tasks, if I can tick off as many of those at the start of the week, that really helps me avoid overwhelmed because it frees up a lot more time later in the week. Um, and then I guess also the thing with like this whole back to school time is that I know from my own experience and from the experience of lots of parents I've talked to, this is just a weird time of year in terms of like germs and funkiness going on. And it's very easy to say, right, these are my plans for the week and these are my intentions. And for them to just be kind of like cut short when something happens, that means you don't have the work time that you thought you were going to have. And I think for me, I've really struggled with um, not feeling... (laughs) really just angry at my kids for taking my work time away. Obviously, I love my kids, but I love my work. Um, And sometimes it's just about embracing and saying, look, let's be realistic. What is actually achievable today? Because you and I were supposed to have this call a couple of weeks ago. And then it wasn't even them that were sick that day. It was me that was sick. Uh, And I was so angry about it. Um, And I was just thinking like, God damn nursery for giving us all these germs. But you know, what you have to do is just kind of, you know, be, take a reality check and say, okay, this is what I can actually get done today. And obviously on that day, it wasn't gonna be uh, talking to you unfortunately, cause it was a vomiting thing. But um, yeah, take, take each day by day is kind of what the, the gap between goals and intentions comes because you are gonna get there, but it's not gonna be overnight. That's the unsexy truth about goals, Steve.
0: Harry, I find networking really painful. Do you have any advice for that?
3: Oh, yes, we do. We have. I may have to do a little rant here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, where do I start? Okay, so first of all, this isn't an attack on networking because when we first started, we grew our business from networking. And we got a lot, of, a lot from it. Uh, we got a lot of referrals from it and so forth. However, it gets to a certain stage in your business where you can do without it and you'll do a thousand times better without it. So what we mean is, think about it, right? You go to a networking event, you'll pay, I don't know, 15 pounds for the networking event. It'll take you 20 minutes, half an hour to get there in the morning and get another 20 minutes to get back. You spend two hours there. You spend another half an hour talking to your friend at the end. You've maybe talked to about five people or three people in depth but let's face it to goodness you only met one new person and you, you talk to your friends most of the time which is all great it's building relationships you get home you're a little bit tired because you've had to smile and put on a fake smile for like two <laughs> hours and you've, you've eaten like a really carb heavy breakfast you get home and it's like your day is kind of gone a little bit you're a little bit knackered so if not just half a But think about what you could do in that time. Okay, what could you actually do in that time? Well, you could create an awesome video in that two hours. You could promote it with 15 pounds, like, and use it as an ad. Um, you could... You call could, someone. You could call someone and, and sell something to them. Um, you could create a, a great bit of content that engages people, and then you could follow up those people. You could post um, in five Facebook groups. Yeah. You could, you, could, uh, you could network in like 10 Facebook groups and create some really good interactions in that time. There's so many more high-impact things you could do in your business um, other than networking. And I think the key to any kind of marketing
2: is that you have to enjoy it, okay? So we have, we have this phrase that you have to, if you want to be consistent with any kind of marketing you do, doing, whether that's networking, video, Instagram, Facebook, whatever, you have to find the fun. Right. Because if we don't enjoy doing something, then it's really easy to like stop doing it or not give it our role or turn to those networking events and just feel awful about ourselves. So we don't really want to be there. So if you're not enjoying networking, then don't go networking. Basically, no. <laughs> like there's plenty of other activities you can be doing that you do enjoy to grow the business other than networking. I feel like if you want to go networking, then um, find events that work for you like there's lots of different types of networking lots of different styles to match different people so when we were doing networking there was a lot of ones that we didn't like and a lot of ones that we did like but like question whether it's needed before you invest enough time in it
0: Bethany I know what my goals are I just haven't done anything about them (laughs) <laughs> there always seems to be other things on the list to get done first how do you get out of the i'll just get these other things out of my way mindset
1: mm. i would have a think about really 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 getting clear on what those goals are what is it that you're going to get out of achieving that goal how's it going to make you feel what kind of money is it going to bring you what kind of freedom is it going to bring you how how will life be when you have achieved that thing and sometimes that's really obvious and sometimes it isn't and if it isn't then I think the goal needs a bit more definition and often those are the bits that if you've never done it before it's going to feel really scary because it's like well I want this thing I've got this goal I don't know where to start Um, it might feel easy to just go oh yeah everyone's writing a book so it must be simple Um, but often that kind of like fear of complexity can be the thing that keeps us from moving forward. It's really easy to feel like we we must know how to do everything. When we are a company of one, when we're a small business owner, uh, we must know how to do email marketing. We must know how to do copywriting and design and be, you know, promoting ourselves all the time on top of the actual work of whatever it is that our business is. And often that means coming up against these things of, okay, well, I want this is how I need to take these steps to get towards something. So for example, I'm working on writing a course at the moment. And there are so many steps where I think, I just don't know what the next step is. And when I I sit down and think about it and do some exploring and Googling, I can find the answer. But the fear of not knowing what that next step is can often be the thing that keeps us where we are. Um, I talk to a lot of my clients about thinking about this in the context of kids who are learning all the time and when they're very small they aren't giving up you know my my youngest is um only recently started walking and so she tumbles but she gets up again and she keeps going and then she gets a little bit quicker um and you know now she's like climbing the table not right now she's a nursery um (laughs) But it can be really, really intimidating when you don't know what that next step is. And particularly when technology is involved or something that we don't understand or an industry like publishing that we might not understand, it can feel like, oh, that's the end of the line. We can't make any more progress with that goal. We just have to stop. We still want it, but we can't go any further. And that is where I would encourage people to really connect with what it is that they're afraid of that's not moving them forward because that's usually where the answer lies. If it feels uncomfortable, that's usually the thing to do.
0: Kelly, do you have any tips about getting testimonials?
2: Oh, this is really good. I think like the best way to get testimonials is to actually call the person up, right? Because I think the biggest barrier to getting testimonials is like getting that person to actually write something (laughs) because like when you say, will you give me a testimonial? It seems easy, but like people don't really know what to say. They don't know how long it's going to be. They don't really know what you want from a testimonial. They don't know where it's going to be. So probably the easiest way to do it is like call up like the past five clients that you've worked with, talk to them about uh, the experience of working with you, steer the the conversation and, the way that you want the actual testimonial to be written, right then I say, thanks very much. I'll write it up and I'll send it over to you. And then just write up something, send it to them and get them to confirm it. And then it's like you're doing the work, which makes it easy for them, but also better for you because you can actually write what you want to get across. And it's
3: morally fine because they've just said all that stuff on the phone. Like, you don't have any excuses not to have testimonials. Mm -hmm. It's just something that you should be doing with all of your clients anyway, like getting that feedback. I think probably one of the biggest reasons people don't ask for testimonials is they're worried that the person they're asking isn't going to say, oh, actually, I didn't really enjoy the service. It was a bit crap. So I don't really (laughs) want to put my face to that. I think that's the fear that maybe people have to, to not ask for testimonials. But instead, like, you need to just go, like, you always need to go back and say, you know, how was it? Like, what was the outcome? Did you get the result you were looking for? Uh, and then you can feed that back into your testimonials. But that should be a good part of your customer service anyway, because if you ever want referrals, like, you need to keep in touch with your customers, and, mm-hmm. and that will be a really good prompt. So if they say, like, look, it was amazing, the best thing, you like, we've ever had, um, like, then you would say, well, do you know anyone else that... I would benefit from this. And by the way, can I take that as a testimonial? So you get two great outcomes from that a referral and the testimonial mm-hmm. and you're keeping them happy because if they say, well, actually, I didn't think that service was great. Let's say, for example, you're a graphic designer and you just made them a logo and you call them up and say, like, how, how are you doing? I hope you, you, you like the logo. And they say, well, actually, We've realized that we don't like it actually. It was we were never really happy with it. We just we didn't want to say anything. Well then you go oh no, like let me let me tweak it, like can I help? Because if the customer's not happy then that's your reputation down the pan. Um, for anyone that they talk to. Yeah. So it's make it, it part of the process. Make it part of the process. Yeah. I
2: think. Yeah. I think whenever someone becomes so when so when someone becomes a customer of ours we have the first 100 days knocked out, right? So we have the first 100 days of what it looks like being a customer. And if, and that works for a membership, but that also works for like service businesses as well. Like you should have what the first 100 days looks like.
0: And part of that should be call them up, find out if they're happy. (laughs) Georgina says I got myself an accountability buddy recently someone who also wanted to progress their business and professional development alongside client work we set each other monthly goals which has really helped me get some stuff done still hard knowing which projects slash activities to focus on though Mm. so she so you approved the of the accountability buddy
1: yes 100%
0: Accountability
1: is great, whether it's somebody that you know in your real life or whether it's somebody that you connect with online. Somebody who is, you, you know, they've got a similar kind of energy to you. They've got a similar level of motivation. It can be really hard when you're a small business owner. And we all know how lonely it can be if you're telling your partner or your schoolgate mum friend or, you know, whoever. Oh, yeah, I'm trying to work on this. And they don't really get it. And they can't necessarily help push you along but somebody who gets it is a really good person to find because yeah you can you can both set kind of yeah monthly intentions things that you want to work on how you're going to get a bit closer um but that thing of not knowing where to focus what i would really recommend is stepping back a little bit i'm such a big fan of like pens paper getting offline for a little bit and just dumping a load of stuff out of your brain and then seeing where obvious paths kind of start to fall. Sometimes when you've got a lot of ideas, it can be really hard to know which ones to focus on first. I would say kind of try and strip it down to two or three things and give yourself a couple of weeks or a month or as long as you feel that you can to really just focus on tasks that support those projects. Um, The other ideas, it doesn't mean that you have to say no to them forever, but we sort of need to kind of, sometimes have a bit of a space from our ideas so that more they i would say that a huge amount of the work that we do happens in our minds because that's where plans sort of become fully formed or we think about um the you know what a product launch might look like or what a new area of um clientele might look like and we kind of need to give ourselves the space in our brains to think about that and let that fully form before we just crack on off down a path and then think, oh, maybe I should have been doing it this way. So um, I think getting all of those ideas down on paper is a really good thing because you can kind of put them on the shelf and say, I'm gonna come back to you in a few months and see how things are going. And sometimes subconsciously, without even realizing, we've kind of worked towards those. And other times you go, why on earth did I think I was going to also launch an Airbnb this year?
0: Nicky says, do you use LinkedIn uh, for your business? Or I I guess, how can we use LinkedIn for our business? But um, yeah, do you use LinkedIn? LinkedIn is an interesting one. So we've got a
2: rule that's called the 90-10 rule, okay? So it says spend 90% of your marketing efforts doing one thing remarkably well, 10% kind of faffing on with everything else because (laughs) as small business owners, we don't have time to do everything ridiculously well. So like our 90% where our main focus is going is is YouTube. That's where most of our business is coming from. So LinkedIn falls into the 10% for us. So yes, we're on it, we're using it, but it's not like our main focus. That's not to say it shouldn't be your main focus. And a lot of our members are getting great, great successes on LinkedIn. And it kind of just follows the same rules as all the social networks. So show up create good content like if you're going to be using linkedin seriously i would think about like how are you starting conversations on there like literally every single day like it doesn't have to take a long time like the networking events you don't have to go out you can do this in half an hour every single morning go on there create a piece of content engage with people's content build your network on linkedin
3: and show up so for example um i don't know if you know a guy called John Asperian. Um, when when he um, when he started following this ninety ten rule that we were talking about um, in the comic, he basically went all in on LinkedIn and he started creating content just for LinkedIn. He stopped trying to do Twitter and Facebook and um, YouTube and all these other platforms that everyone tells you to do and you feel like you need to do and you get this pressure to do all these different platforms. But instead, he, he followed the 90-10 rule and you said, "No, I'm just going to do LinkedIn mm-hmm. and." Within the year, he had tripled his traffic on his website, and it wasn't a small amount of traffic either. Uh, he had increased his rate by, like, 10%, and he was booked out, like, all year. Like, you literally can't book this guy because he's so in demand now. Um, he's got over, like, 10,000 followers on LinkedIn. And I it's more. Yeah, I think it is more, I think it is more than that. He's doing so well. I can't keep up with them. He's almost
0: LinkedIn famous. Yeah, and so there we are. Um, nearly done. Uh, thank you very much to Holly June Smith and to Andrew and Pete and to everybody else who gave their time and their answers so freely in our live Q and A's. You can find them as part of the Being Freelance community. Come and join us at beingfreelance.com. As I say, the normal podcast of Being Freelance, hearing freelancer stories from around the world, returns next week with season ten. Just one. One more question to go before we leave this though and uh, that is from andrew and pete oh there we are jenna how do you how did you or do you get speaking oh this is a good um so you know here's you guys on big stages now you fly out to the states and speak on big stages um but obviously, you didn't start out that way, Um you? No, yeah. Well, we maybe you <laughs> we we did. did. <laughs> well,
2: it's funny. It's funny, this story. Okay, so, yeah. yes, we did. We started out doing a lot of small gigs. Like, we done all the networking events locally, done a lot of local, like, small events. And then we flew out, out. The very first conference we attended was Social Media Marketing World
3: 2015. And That's it was like the world's biggest social media conference it's in San Diego like
2: anyone who's anyone goes there basically yeah and we just went as attendees and it like blew our minds it like opened up our minds like oh my god like these guys are doing this differently to a lot of people in in the UK like we want to get some of that and it was at that event when we decided we want to be speakers as well and we have this other rule called the big domino theory okay So the big domino theory says, if you want to achieve something, probably the easiest way is to think about what is that big domino that's going to knock over all the other dominoes. So speaking is a perfect example of this. I think a lot of people, when it comes to speaking, they think we'll start small, then we'll build up, and then we'll build up, and we'll build up. And eventually, we might get asked to keynote an event like Social Media Marketing World we're impatient and we're like, we're not doing it that way. So when we want to do something, we look to see what is the big domino in that industry. So we wanted to become more known as speakers. And we said to ourselves, if we want to be more known as speakers, the best speakers in our industry are speaking at social media marketing world. We want to speak at social media marketing world. And rather than like start small and build up,
3: and like putting a little bit of effort at each like domino. Instead, like, like doing all the UK conferences and smaller conferences.
2: Instead, what you do is you put like twenty out of ten effort into knocking over the big domino. So we set our sights on social media marketing world, and we were like, "How do we speak at this event?" So we flew out for a second year as an attendee. We got to know the team. They actually, a lot of the speakers, a lot of the conferences, I mean, will tell you what it takes to become a speaker. So Social Media Marketing World says we pick speakers based on, like, if they're creating content themselves, if they've got a buck, if they're doing this, if they're doing that, if they can demonstrate deep knowledge. And we went out and done, like, everything that they said to do. And we pitched, and we got turned down, and we were like, crap. And then we went back to them and they said, why did you turn us down? And they told us. And then we fixed that. And we pitched again, and they said no again. And we were like, damn it. And then, <laughs> and then they eventually asked us. After they turned us down for the second time, a few months later, they came back and they asked us to speak. And Social Media Marketing World was the very first
3: business conference we spoke at. So from find, <laughs> finding out about it yeah. to speaking or getting asked to speak at it was 18 months. Yeah. But it was from, from zero to the world's largest social media stage. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it took a lot of work.
2: Like, yeah. the, the key is it would have taken us a longer amount of work if we tried to build up to it. It probably would have taken us like three years or five years. But we just put in a ton of effort to like knock over that big domino. And then, like, all the UK conferences were suddenly interested because the big domino was interested in us. Now, and you the, can apply that to
3: everything. You can apply that to everything, which is really important. Like, just one thing on the whole speaking, though, you will get chosen to speak for two reasons. Number one, you have a powerful message to share that's appropriate for that conference.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And the second thing is you're a celebrity that can pull people in. And when I say a celebrity, I don't necessarily mean a TV celebrity, just someone, you know, mm-hmm. semi-famous in your industry. hmm both of those things aren't going to happen by you wanting to be a speaker, necessarily. Both of those things happen by actually doing really well in your business. Mm-hmm. And so by focusing on your business and growing your audience for your own business, or by creating something that's so powerful as a message that really resonates, like that's how you're going to get booked to speak. And what you'll find is a lot of speaking gigs don't pay you that much unless you're a great speaker and you've been doing it for a long time. Yeah, that's a mess. So (laughs) so basically, like, you might get paid like less than a thousand pounds to do a gig. If you are doing really well, you've done it for a year or two, then you might start getting a few grand. And then after five years, you might start getting like 10 grand, and then 20 and 30. But right now, you'll make more money by just. Working, the working hard and getting some sales in. And and that's, like, I think people get really distracted. I think you think that speaking is going to just give them clients on a plate, and it's not. Um, and there's other ways to go about it. Speaking takes a lot of effort and time and energy, and it doesn't necessarily result in the same reward, as it were. Yeah. So, Again, this is about that high impact on your business. Like, what is actually going to have that high impact um, to grow the business? And for a lot of people, they think it's speaking, but it's not. Like, one of the
2: first things we teach the people that we work with is what can we stop doing? Because we know, like, freelancers, small business owners, the thing none of us have is more time. Like, we are all pushed we're all busy we're all trying to make money actually servicing our clients and we listen to a ton of marketers and all these marketers tell us to just do more stuff and just add more things to our to-do list like yes everyone needs to go to these events everyone needs to be on instagram be on facebook be on twitter everyone needs to start speaking everyone needs to write a book the book is the other one like we say don't write the bloody book we've wrote two and so we're a bit hypocritical saying this but like i don't think it it has that big of an impact i don't think it's had that big of an impact on our business we were going to write another one this year and we said no we're not doing that it's not going to have the highest impact on our business and the thing you need to work out first is like what are you actually doing like you can stop to free up time to do stuff on what is working that's always step one